How are you? Good, doing good, man. Good to see you. Good to see you as you instead of uh, the uh, what was that character's name? <laughs> Don't I, break I forgot, fast, yeah. dude. <laughs> hey, Vernon, Vernon, yeah, he died. Vernon, yeah, Vernon, <laughs> Vernon is <laughs> dead. We did kill Vernon. <laughs> you killed him. He, uh, yeah, that was. He may be resurrected. Telethon was great. It was like Jerry Lewis on drugs. I loved it. <laughs> really? that, thank you so much. That was that was what we were going for. <laughs> I thought Jiminy Glick. Jiminy Glick. The... There we go. Yeah. Look, Jiminy, Jiminy Glick on more drugs. I wish I could. <laughs> I, I strive to reach the levels of Jiminy Glick, which I think is, is one of the greatest characters ever created. Totally. Yeah. He's our are you are guy. you a big comedy guy, Drew? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm just. Uh, I I don't take anything serious. That's the only way he can live now. And that's why he's on this show. <laughs> Not even my shaving habits. I, I stopped doing that, too. I don't take that serious anymore. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, that looks good. Everybody's got facial hair. Oh, yeah. We got a club now. That's right. Except for the Rand dog. <laughs> and, and your mic is on. Were you gonna, are you going to say hi or anything? Hi. <laughs> Hello. All right. She's gone. There. It's off. All right, Drew. Um, we've been dying to talk to you, man. Uh-huh. I don't know. It it's been a, too long, man. Yeah, too long. Well, we want we wanted to wait to the movie, and and now the time is here. It is. So how how are we feeling? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Just uh, yeah, getting everything uh, wrapped up with all that. It comes out uh, I think next week, and uh, and all that jazz, and got the the Blu-ray all wrapped up and the DVD and such, and it's uh, yeah, no distributor. Just did it all in house, <laughs> and. Um, which is easier, but just as, but it, uh, just like just like in the movie, how everything's kind of a nightmare. It's like the same thing too, and yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's been fun working out all the logistics and just kind of being like a one man, uh, the distribution warehouse almost. <laughs> well, I know. I mean, it's been it's been a while because I mean the festival was back in March, and yeah. so I mean you've been you've been showing the film for a while. Yeah, yeah, and it uh, it somehow won a, a bunch of awards too for some reason. And uh, <laughs> it's like, what's going on here? And uh, so, so all that stuff's going on. And um, yeah, I was like, well, I guess, uh, I guess, yeah, people take it serious. So I guess, I guess, I probably should too a little bit. Nah. And uh, so, but yeah, so it's uh, yeah, it's it's been very interesting because because I, I did a movie before that that this documentary on that Bang Bang Tango that never came out. And so it's my first time actually having a movie come out. So I'm like, oh, okay. I never got this far before. And it, it sucks just the same, but it's fun. Well, the, the Bang Tango doc never came out? <laughs> no, no. There were song clearing issues because uh, oh. they were signed to MCA, which is bought by Universal. And then I was in contact with Universal to clear the tunes. And then, uh, but like every other week, I got passed off to somebody else because the person I was talking to either got promoted or fired. So then I had to start all over again. <laughs> And then I did that for like six months. And then I woke up one day. I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'm just going to put it out for free. And uh, so there you go. Now, <clears throat> that bureaucratic red tape bullshit. <laughs> right, exactly. All the time. <laughs> we, we, we should start. Hold on. Are you dying? <clears throat> I'm dying, dude. I don't know. It's probably because I started smoking with Clark. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing uh, two packs a day now. Oh, good. So this is a smoking podcast. I don't feel so bad anymore. Oh, there- yeah. <laughs> No, I was lying, and I'm deeply offended that you just took a drag of that now. <laughs> no, but Clark, he he's been bored lately, so he he uh, decided to get a new hobby. <laughs> that, that's that's yeah. how I started. So, <laughs> yeah, dude, Drew, I just I turned 35 in August, and nice. at the beginning of the month of August, for no reason, 
I just started smoking for the first time. The first cigarette I ever had was the month I turned 35. That's so awesome. Been, it's like you turn 35 legally, you can become president, and you've been That's able right. to smoke cigarettes for like, you know, what, like uh, 16 years or something like that. So it's like, why not start now? I forgot this is my presidential birthday. It, it Congratulations. Totally oh, this is a, uh, all right. I did good. 20, uh, I think we're ready for you. Well, what's yeah. the next election year? 2024? 2024, I think. I vote for you, Clark. Yeah. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I'll write you in. All right, I'm, I'm working on my campaign. No, uh, <laughs> so we should go back to the... Uh, I'm trying to remember how how your film got on our radar. Do you remember? Mm. Here, get... it, was, it was two ups ago. Um, I think Russell ended up contacting probably you, Drew, and it wasn't done yet. All but right. Then, when the next year was coming around, I saw your Instagram and started like talking to you on there. That's right. Yeah, because we were tracking it for a while. Um, in the early days of uh, one, of, one of my uh, deep cut film programmer tricks was to look for found footage films on YouTube. Nice. So I would just go through all the trailers, and I came across one. I'm like, wait, Bang Tango and Megadeth are in, <laughs> right. in this thing. And from there, I just started stalking you guys. And I knew, <laughs> you know, we're located in the Bay Area, so I'm like, well, we have a you know, thrash metal was kind of born here. Maybe totally. we could like trick these dudes into coming out here. I mean, we are doing a only found footage fest. So I don't know. And then it felt like a year later, we ended up getting back in contact. That's right. That's right. And yeah, I remember you guys reached out and I was like, oh, this is this is new. You know, awesome. All right, cool. You know, then um, and, and then, yeah, about a year later, because I was like the movie didn't even exist when, when you first contacted me. I was like, uh, it's like, uh, <laughs> it's like, I guess I better make a movie happen then <laughs> and, well, I mean, uh, dude, you had a good concept it's like oh somebody's making a documentary about the homeless epidemic which is like real and it's, right, right. We, we definitely are feeling it in california yeah. especially san francisco so i'm like oh rad and then you know uh the the hook is that they're disappearing yeah, and yeah. now you know at the time i was like oh this is gonna play good here but now I'm thinking, you know, if if the homeless were disappearing, maybe somebody would think that, you know, the millions of dollars we've spent trying to house them was actually working. I don't know if anybody would instantly turn right. to a monster in a sewer, but right, exactly. It's it's kind of it's kind of funny too because like the whole homeless angle of it was a byproduct of uh, originally this movie was to remake a Chud with with the guy that wrote the original, and so that that was a part of the story. And I was like, okay, so that 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 whole concept has to be here. And then when I started showing it to people, they're, they're like, wow, wow, you're really trying to say something about the homeless. I'm like, I guess I am. Like, I love film theory. And I really think when people come to a film project and they have all these all these messages and ideas they're trying to get across to people, those are films that nobody likes. Right. They come through preachy and you can feel the director on a soapbox like just yelling at us. Totally. I mean, the way that people are, you know, you kind of like fell into that. That's the organic horror way. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because it's like, uh, it's like, all right. So this this helps move the story along. So we guess we got to have that here for a bit. And then the whole uh, the the detective who's like uh, just pretty much shoots down every single thing the homeless people had to say. And then then me and the, and the crew are just like, OK, I guess I guess there's nothing going on. Then I guess they're just a bunch of crazy homeless people. And then, uh, and then we ran into the one last guy. Then we ended up down there, and they were like, "Oh shit, fucked up." <laughs> All right, well, Drew, let's start at the beginning. Sure. How did how did you end up meeting, like, penetrating this weird heavy metal bubble? A oh, thing man. that I had been trying to do for a long time in my career, still current, and failed. Yeah. <laughs> Penetration. 
but uh, it's I uh, okay. Yeah, this is kind of crazy. I um I have no background in filmmaking whatsoever. And uh, ten years ago now, it's ten years ago. I uh, I was working at a bar on the south side of Chicago, and uh, Bang Tango was gonna play there. And my boss is like, "Hey, Bang Tango's playing there." And I was like, "What'd you call me?" And um, <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck's a Bang Tango?" But then I kind of I, I put them on the jukebox. I was like, "Oh, okay." My older brother was into that. Uh, into, into that, I was like, "Okay, Bang Tango." And then, um, well, well, what at that time? What kind of music were you into? Oh, uh, man, uh, Megadeth, <laughs> and uh, just a little bit of everything. I, I love '90s stuff. I love I love everything from the '90s. So I'm I'm like a '90s kid, so everything from, from that. So era. Was, which era Megadeth? Are we talking like '80s post Metallica? Are we talking like uh, like Mustaine hanging out with Alex Jones? Oh man! Oh wow! Nice. Uh, that's uh, that's a good pull. Well, dude, um, dude, he made a couple albums that literally felt like the, it was all conspiracy theory stuff. And I am a huge fan of Alex Jones. I know he's so polarizing now, but just as like a radio personality, the dude is a fucking entertainer. Yeah, and I, man, I, he, I could listen to him rant about birds and lizards all uh, day. And uh, yeah. catch him in bed with a lizard. And uh, <laughs> and uh, you ever you ever see the interview with Mustaine and Alex Jones? Oh, he's done a few, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Oh, it's, I know it's, it's Billy great. Corgan jumped in there for a while. Oh, did he? I, I got yeah. to those I never that, saw that. Yeah, to catch him in bed with Billy Corgan. There but, was a uh, minute where Corgan was doing Alex Jones and he was doing TNA. Well, he breast TNA. Oh, wow. Yeah, he, and he bought it. And he it was just it. like. He did it for like, his brother, didn't he? His, his brother's like mentally challenged or something and a big wrestling fan. And I guess he, uh, that's what? why he got into the wrestling stuff. He's a super interesting guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, and he's like frighteningly tall, too. It's like, he? uh, yeah, like I, I didn't, I, I never met him or anything, but I, just, I saw footage from Riot Fest in Chicago and you see him standing on stage and he looks like a, almost like a sideshow freak. He's so tall. And he's like, uh, he'd clearly be Nosferatu. Yeah. He, he <laughs> definitely <laughs> has Nosferatu. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> qualities. <clears throat> oh yeah. So yeah. So what kind of Megadeth were you into? You know, I was into all of it, man. Uh, so far so good. So what? Peace cells, rest in peace, yeah, cryptic writings, everything. I just like, uh, something that fascinated me about Megadeth was how well-rounded they ended up becoming you know from uh this being this raw dirty gritty thrash like fuck you thrash and then and then to becoming like you know really well-rounded like songwriters around like uh, euthanasia cryptic writings and even risk like if you don't call risk a negative album it's a good album you know it's got good yeah. songs but not good negative songs but good songs and so i just I, I i soaked it all in man for sure so like uh yeah, and another big one for me was uh, Faith No More. I love Faith No More because, oh, right. like, no matter what kind of mood you're in, you throw on a Faith No More album. You get R and B, you get you get thrash, you get rap, you get everything. You know. Now, the the reason I find it so interesting that uh, Megadeth and Bang Tango are the two bands is because in the Bay Area, when whenever you talk to any like old school metalhead who, you know, loves to tell their the war stories about seeing Metallica in a bar, oh, yeah, it's always glam versus thrash metal. Yeah. And I mean, there are still dudes out here with like rat sucks shirts. Oh, yeah, totally. Like they'll only yeah. come out if there's like a Harley Davidson convention or something going on. But like I remember because I grew up um, and I never understood it because I missed the cultural wave. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, dude, rat is heavy metal. Like yeah. I, I found a lot of uh, I actually kind of enjoy glam like on a daily basis where like thrash. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I have to be in the mood. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems like glam is just kind of sort of like you know, if you're at a party, you throw on glam. You know, if, if you're if you're you know, yeah, if you're at a bar, you throw on thrash. It's like I said, like, yeah, that thrash is like we're about to go do something music, and glam yep. is just kind of like let's get silly. When you watch the videos and all the glam bands, that's where all the women were hanging out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah you, totally. you look at because they were dressed like that. 
Yeah, they, they, were, they were tricked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, and there's a certain like sheen to glam. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it oh, feels yeah. like inclusive. <clears throat> yeah. In a weird way, because at the 80s, you know, dressing like a girl, you would think it wouldn't feel mm-hmm. that way. I'll fucking right. Yeah, yeah, really. yeah, totally. And it, it's, it's funny that you talk about Bang Tingle and Megadeth. That, and so the way I, I met Ellison was, uh, well, just, well, so I was at that bar <clears throat> and uh, Bang Tingle was playing there 10 years ago. My boss was like, the day of, here's a camera, shoot, shoot the band some footage or whatever. I'm like, all right. So I'm there, and then the singer of Bang Tango, Joel Estate, walked up to me, had long hair, I still do, I guess. And uh, he's like, hey, man, you look cool. You know, I can find some weed. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, no, man, sorry. He's like, oh, that's all right. What's that? I was like, oh, it's called a camera. He was like, oh, uh, we're, we're recording an album in Chicago in two weeks. You should come out and do like a studio documentary. I was like, I don't know how to do that, but okay. And then so Dude, I so no I no fucking way, Drew. I I hear those stories all the time. Like Bernard Rose, I think he had a story where somebody um, called his like film department, and he was just walking down the hall, and he answered and they're like, "Hey, are you a director? Yeah. We need somebody to shoot our video." And it was like, it was a uh, what the hell? It's not B fifty two. It was that like reggae, the fake reggae group. Oh, is UB forty? UB forty. Yeah, and then that you know kick-started his career it's crazy how that shit happens it's how, and that, that's how it happened too i had no clue how to make a movie but then i was like okay and i kept on showing up and then uh and then four years later i finished it d snyder does the opening narration ricky rackman's in it and all that and it's it's a brutally brutally honest documentary too so by the end of it you look at the singer who's the only original guy left and you either like think he's like the underdog and he's cool or you fucking think he's a idiot and uh and ironically right after i finished the movie i joined the band <laughs> Now, okay, you yada, yada, yada it over a lot there. So you're like, I started making the movie and we had an intro from D. Schneider. Like, did you organize all that? Did you, like, if you've you know, never made a film. What, ignorance like, is bliss, man. Ignorance is bliss. Because I just, uh, I just, I just sent, uh, I just found an email on his website, I think. And I just sent a message to be like, hey, you know, we've got this thing written out for like an introduction for the movie. If he's interested. And his manager's like, yeah, he'll do it. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. Yeah, no, no problem. Get it to you like next week or something. I'm like, oh, and then money was never brought up, and I was like, oh, okay. And um, I, I reached out to Henry Rollins too, and he almost did, but he, uh, but uh, he was just like, I don't know anything about Bang Tango, otherwise I would. And uh, but he had me, he had me send him a DVD of the movie though. So, so Henry has one of the only DVDs of the Bang Tango movie. All right. Well, we don't talk about him here. It's Clark hates him. <laughs> Look, that's a, Randy's a big Rollins fan. I'm anti Rollins because there was beef between Rollins and Dave Brocky, and I'm team Bro- I'm, I'm team Brocky. <laughs> Brocky was awesome. Brocky was awesome. So, Randy, I, did you want to weigh in here? We I all pick you, sides. I know Randy's lurking over there. Oh, his I'm mic. here. He morphed yeah. into a letter R. Yeah, I was <laughs> never a metal guy. I was a punk guy. So, I'm oh, more cool. of, more of a Rollins head than a uh, anything Guar related. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, totally. And that's kind of cool. You got you got Megadeth, you got Bang Tinger, you got Guar, you got Rollins in this conversation, and it's all over the place. It's pretty cool. Yeah. To be clear, Randy was straight edge until an accident happened at a bar where he tripped and some beer went in his mouth. And since they kicked him out of the religion, he just decided to lean into it. So now he moved away to the East Coast. He's doing heroin now. So he won't turn <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I tripped and fell and and, and shot myself up on accident. Oh, <laughs> <It> happens. <laughs> All right, Randy, I love you. Tricky, there you go. Uh, so yeah, so every, we we've talked to so many filmmakers, and it seems that everybody agrees making a documentary is the hardest thing to do. It seems it's, easy. It's it's like okay, you just got to interview a bunch of people, but then and you edit the fucking thing, and it's like oh man, what did I get myself into? So you had never edited anything before either. 
No, nothing, nothing. It's, uh, I, I never had zero background in any of that stuff, you know. And uh, do you was, know what kind of camera you shot it on? It was, that was a Canon T three I. All right, you know more than I do. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm surprised to remember that, and that, that that ended up going missing, and I, now I got a and I shot dwellers on a Canon T five I. So somebody from the bar just gave you that camera? Oh, it was actually uh, that was a uh, oh, this is a fun story. So. Um, but yeah, that, that was like a little Zoom video camera that my boss had. So it was a little like a, a piece of shit thing. But then after he told me to, you know, hey, you know, do a documentary, I was like, all right. Then I was like, oh, fuck, I guess I better get a camera. And then like a couple of nights later, some, some bitchy stripper was a customer at the bar. And she was just a fucking bitch. And then I was like, oh, I can't wait till this bra gets out of here. And then she goes to use the bathroom with clothes the time she gets out of there. I'm going to clean the bathrooms. I look down at the woman's uh, bathroom floor. A lot of fucking hundreds. What? <laughs> that was the budget for the Bang Tango movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and she Wait. never tipped me either, so there was my tip. Well, I'm, I'm in shock so you, now. So you paid for the movie with stripper money? I most certainly did. That, that's what paid for the camera. And, uh, and <laughs> yeah, there was like 1100 bucks there or something. Congratulations, listeners. We got the best story of the podcast. Okay, what? <laughs> Hold on. What were you born on like a lucky Chinese New Year or something? Like, do you have a it, mutant ability? Like what the fuck? Yeah, it's, I don't think I've ever told that story too. Because but enough time has passed, so she can't help me down anymore. Whoever the fuck that was. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's yeah. The, thinking about it now, yeah, it was it's pretty crazy how it all came together. Well, there's your next movie. A stripper <laughs> who found out that a filmmaker had stole her wad of cash and made a movie. That's exactly what happened, too. Yeah, Make exactly a revenge film. Happened. At the end, and, you get murdered. You know, it's funny. She came back the next day looking for it, too. But then, uh, oh. but, but the, the, way, the way I handled it, though, was because my boss there was kind of an asshole. And, uh, and he always told me, if you ever find anything, I get half. So I told him, I, I, I stopped, uh, so it was like 1200 bucks. I stuffed 1100 in my underwear, and I told him I found 100 and then so he split it with me like so 50 bucks and 50 bucks he didn't know about the rest of it and the, the, the stripper came brought came back the next morning looking for her money and he's like all we found was 100 then he called me up and said gay man we gotta get that 50 bucks back i'm like no problem and she's like where's the rest of it i was like i don't know I didn't see <laughs> dude drew i love how honest you are because you easily could have framed yourself in the perfect light in this story but you just went fucking yep. full throttle gave us the whole thing dude i love it it you gave you reminded me of my dad who uh he's been in the tow truck industry his whole life. Oh nice. There was a wreck where um uh some people didn't make it and the police were there because apparently they had a warrant too. So they were pulling bodies. The warrant was out on them? On on the, the people in the wreck. Oh Ooh. so they pulled them out. Uh I think it was uh doa at that point. Mm -hmm. And when in those kind of situations, it's usually the tow truck driver and like whoever's whatever morgue is showing up like dealing with it yeah so everybody bailed really quick and uh i guess the cops didn't search the car well enough because my dad found a shoebox of cash in it nice and i just remember because i came home and i saw it on his nightstand like i was very young i was like whoa we're rich and he was like no you don't get any of that yeah and i i threw a fit he gave me a 50 dollars bill and yeah. i remember I learned about uh, fiscal responsibility because I went, I spent that $50 bill on a creepy crawler oven. Nice. Uh, I used to have one of those too. Dude, it's a fucking waste of money. <laughs> Thinking about it. Yeah, I used to stuck. burn myself on that thing all the time. Yeah, it was, it was uh, injury prone. The totally. toys it produced were garbage. Oh, they, yeah. Uh, 
We just found them under couches for years. I haven't that. thought about a creepy crawler oven in almost 30 years. They didn't, <laughs> they didn't call it that, right? It wasn't called an oven. No, but I know what you're talking about. It probably had like a creepy I never name. had one. The bug maker. Okay, the creepy crawler bug maker. Bug. And you couldn't eat them, right? You're not supposed to eat them? I, they, I, you know, they were marketing the Easy Bake Oven at the same time. I didn't eat anything on that Easy Bake Oven. You know what's fucked up? I remember McDonald's had like a Play-Doh set where you can make like Play-Doh food. Yeah. My dumb ass, I'm like five years old and I make like Play-Doh like, you know, chicken nuggets. And I'm like, I guess it's a chicken nugget now. And I started eating it. And I was like, this tastes like fucking garbage. And, and then your mom sued him. And now you were rich for years because you had millions. I wish. So, Drew, I, back to your documentary. Hmm? So you learn editing. And you teach yourself how to film. Like, how much of that did you shoot? Or were you in an era where, like, people could send you a Zoom video? Or- yeah, I, I, I shot most of it. But I, uh, a Bang Tingo fan reached out to me. It turned out he was, like, a videographer. And he shot a lot of all the good-looking interviews, like uh, Ricky Rackman and Howard Benson. All the ones that looked like somebody went to film school and, and shot something in that movie it was done by him. And all the stuff that was really noisy and staticky and fucked up looking, that was all me. But, <laughs> but um <clears throat> but it did a lot of traveling for that too, and uh, and the editing. I remember right when I started shooting because at first it was supposed to be like a studio documentary. I ended up with a ton of footage of that, and then uh, I got a got in touch with all the original members of the band, and the story started coming out. And I was like, holy shit, you know, we should make it about this, and then um, and then so it kind of grew from there. And uh, and the Bang Tango at that time, you know, it was just down to Joe, the singer. He's the only original guy, and then they were coming out with that new album at the time which i actually I played on a couple of tunes and um and uh and they asked me to to because i had all this footage to do a couple of music videos and so the first thing i ever edited was was those uh bang tango music videos and uh and then uh and then that caught the attention of their booking agent and uh and he had me start doing promo videos for like vince neal and queensreich and kicks and all those bands and everything so that's that's how i got started with the editing stuff and uh, oh. he, he he got a kick out of what I was able to do, and he was like, "Hey, man, you know, you want to do want to do this?" And I was like, "All right, whatever." And then, uh, and so <laughs> that I ended up for the Bang Tango, we ended up with over four hundred hours of footage, and uh, and I was the only guy editing it. And I legitimately had like a mental breakdown while making the thing. At one point, I was like, "I ain't gonna finish this fucking thing. Who's gonna watch it?" And uh, but uh, but I somehow got it done. And uh, and and people seem to get a kick out of it. So that and that, but that's funny because after that, I was done with that. I was like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> and then you know, then dwellers happened. <laughs> <laughs> now, how uh, you still in contact with uh, Vince Neil? Oh no, 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 I never, I never met him. I, I was he and he. I, from my understanding, he's he's not very uh, affable. Not as affable as uh, your. No story. way. No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. Dude. I know. That guy, he's having like a uh, a rebirth of his career, though. And Maybe he's not, about to get not birth the too. best light, but uh, <laughs> I'll tell you though, like if I'm ever in like a, a, a sour mood, I will pull up videos of Vince Neil singing, um, where they have reinterpreted the oh, lyrics. Have us got nuts, yabba dabba do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the best thing. And oh, the, cam- the cameo video, did you see that? Oh, I was happy to have shot at devil. Drew, you shot over 400 hours for that documentary. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I think so. Uh, you know, clearly, we run the Unnamed Footage Festival, so we talk to a lot of found footage filmmakers or even like mockumentary filmmakers. Like, 
documentary seems to just yield a lot of footage because you never know what you're going to use. Right. So we've talked to a lot of people who they're like, I don't know if you'll believe it. We had 50 hours of footage. Then we had one at 80. Then I think we had um, oh, the, tri- no. the, dude, the triangle. <laughs> Those dudes didn't know what their movie was going to be when they were making it. I think they had over 200. So you doubled that, dude. You know, yeah, you never know what you what kind of movie you got until you start editing it because you can have that that idea like up front, and uh, even especially a documentary because you don't know what the story is going to be until you do the interviews. Until it's all about the questions you ask too, and then uh, yeah. and how each you know interviewee reacts to the question, then then it creates uh, you know conflict and all that, and and there's there's so much uh, there's so much to work with just to find like a through line. You know, being like, what, what, what is the story? What, what is, what's, what, what are we trying to say? You know, and it's, uh, and, the, and, and sometimes, you know, me personally, I prefer to work with less. Like, if I only had like 10, 12 hours of footage, I, I would have had so much more fun doing it because it's like, okay, yeah. how do we, how do we whittle this down to, uh, to something? So I applaud the people that could shoot less and, uh, and, and make something out of it because that's, because it's like working with a box of crayons, you know, like a, there's like 64 crayons in there. And you just, you know, remove them all until you're down to like eight. And you're like, okay, you know, make art. And I was like, all right. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like that. So I almost prefer it that way instead of having sometimes too many options is, is just too much. But, uh, but, uh, but yeah, it was, the, yeah, the more you, yeah, it, it was tough for sure. And so if you've got 400 hours of footage and you've never edited anything in your life, how long did it take before you got into like a groove with it where you was like, okay, I've got a narrative here. And I, I've, I've got a, I've got a nice little rift here. It, it all started with like, yeah, man, probably um, like the first like couple minutes. It's just like, how is this thing going to start? You know, what's the first thing you see in this thing? And then just kind of take it from there. And uh, so the first thing was a decent narration, and it set the tone perfectly because it, it wasn't serious. You know, it's just kind of like, uh, you know, uh, what does he say? It's like. Uh, Bang Tango was at the forefront of a of a genre that never that never began or something like that. And he's like, Bang Tango, they were just like a Guns N' Roses ripoff. Come on, and they still can't be successful. Okay, rooting for him. So that, that's kind of like the the idea of the intro. And, uh, and I was like, okay, now I know what to work with. And then I I just started watching it as if I was watching a documentary. And I was like, what would feel right next? You know, it's like okay, how about like a montage, a montage of interviews? That's how most documentaries start off, right? And then so I started picking and pulling and there's this bunch of people kind of like peripheral to the band uh, talking about the band and just kind of talking them up and all that. It's like, hey, Bang Tinga was this, Bang Tinga was that. And then I was like, okay, well, then where should we go from there? Thinking about movies and documentaries that start at the beginning. And then so it just kind of all kind of started almost editing it, it itself and I just kind of had to find the footage, like the right stuff, people saying the right things, the right people saying the right things to put at the right spots, which is editing. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's, so it's just kind of it's the same thing with like writing books. It's like, you know, like, you know you just, well, how many kind books of, have you written now? Oh, I think like two or three. Are uh, you joking? I can't tell. No, yeah, no, I'm serious. Uh, I did, I did like a, what a, a the fuck? yeah, <laughs> I, I did a memoir, like kind of like a, kind of like a, as a joke. And it was, and it's all about making the banking a movie too. It's called dark, depressing and hilarious. And, uh, is that you wrote a did. book for a bit. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. That's commitment right there. How many pages? It's it's like two hundred pages. God and, damn, dude! And, what the hell? It's a long bit. Oh yeah, yeah. It's 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 more comedy based too. It's just kind of like 
everything that happened in that time me joining the band and all that. But but in a, it's just really very very self deprecating and it's 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 pretty funny. And then and that's uh, one of three books you've written. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the 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 other one uh, it was Rockstar Hitman I wrote with Ellison. It, that's a fictional book about this. Uh, yes. Kid who gets uh, brought out to L.A. And in exchange for like fortune and fame, he has to do a bunch of hits for this uh, agency, and and they they route the tour around where where they need to take out these people and all that. It's 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 it's, it's gory and funny. It's like, I, yeah. It, so there's that, and then the third one. I think the it's a sequel to that, and I'm not sure if we're going to put that out or not. I, I think because right now Dave and I we got this new band called The Lucid with yeah. um, the singer of Sponge and the drummer from Fear Factory and and Ian Ellison. And uh, it's uh, it's a whole, whole bunch of random shit. And oddly enough, the Lucid, there's a couple songs that tied into the that Rockstar Hitman book. But we're going off on all kinds of tangents here. But uh, <laughs> but everything is kind hey, of tied dude, together. It's good. Right. Like uh, traditional interviews are something we've never wanted to do, and we wanted to lean into the podcast thing. So oh, yeah. there's an interesting tangent. I mean, there is one thing I want to ask you. You did briefly mention that you started working for or started playing with Bang Tango. Had yeah. you played guitar? I'm assuming you played guitar. Guitar, yeah. Did you play that before? Or did you learn that? Oh, on yeah, yeah I, I, I did. I did play guitar before. <laughs> yeah, that would that would be a lot cooler if I like never play play, play guitar and like, hey, you want to play guitar? Sure, I don't know how to do that, but I'll learn really quick. Well, that <laughs> no, would fall I, in I, line I, with everything else. Yeah, I know, right? You only did that with cinematography, <laughs> directing, editing, right. producing. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, well, I mean, it'd be funny. It's like, hey, we'll play guitar. It's like, I don't know how to do that. Next day, I'm cleaning the bathroom and find a lot of stripper money again. Mm-hmm. Buy a guitar. <laughs> what kind of guitar do you play? I, I play a uh, Epiphone uh, Les Paul. I play the. It's okay, I, so I, I it. now now it's starting to look clear to me. Somebody comes up to you, hey man, you you know where to find weed? No, oh, but you play guitar. It's like there's there's the in, and I could see like. Like when you're playing in a band, the like mind thing is so ripe. And if you get along with people, that's really most of the battle. Totally. So it's like, oh, shit. And if you can actually play, like how long before you were talking about playing with them? I'm sure it came up fairly quickly. It was uh, four years, uh, four years after. Because like I, they knew I played. Actually, the, the first time I met them, they brought me up and had me play a song with them. We did a. Okay. Because uh, they, we did a Zeppelin song, Bring It On Home. And Joe, the singer, was, I was in a Zeppelin tribute band for a little bit, and, and Joe, the singer, was just like, hey, you know, that night, he was like, hey, you know, I heard you're in a Zeppelin tribute band, let's do a Zeppelin tune. I'm like, all right, whatever. And he's like, um, I'm like, what song? He's like, well, bring it on home. I was like, sure. And then so, so they brought me up, and the rest of the band are like, huh. And then, uh, then me and Joe start the song, and it's uh, just guitar and vocals. It's like really bluesy, you know, and all that. And he's doing the harmonica song, the sound with his, yeah. with his mouth. And then, uh, then when it goes to kick in, the band are like deer in the headlights. Joe, the singer, forgot to tell the rest of the band what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> so they had no idea what we were doing. And then, uh, and then so I awkwardly skate up there for like a couple minutes. And then, uh, and then, uh, and then I'm like, Joe, this, you know, I don't know what I'm doing up here. And he's like, don't worry, man. We'll share the stage again someday. I'm like, cool. And then four years later, that's when I ended up joining Bank Tango. <laughs> All right. So it's not luck. It's uh, what is the other saying? It's um, preparation meets opportunity. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what it is. Oh, yeah, 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 totally, totally. And, uh, and then I got to know the original guys in Bank Tango. Like the original guitar player was like the main songwriter. And he ended up teaching me uh, a bunch of those Bank Tango tunes. And then just, just for kicks. And then 
when they asked me to join, I was like, hey, actually, all right, cool. I, I, I can figure that out. And then when I joined the other guitar player, because there were two guitar player bands, and they were like a one down to one guitar for like years. They couldn't afford another guy. And the other guitar player they had when I joined was Rowan Robertson, and he was Dio's guitar player. Right. And, and Rowan is one of the most wonderful humans in the whole entire world, and I had such a blast with that guy, man. Rowan is amazing. And so that, that was a good time with him for sure. And, uh, and oh, and here's a story. So uh, it kind of goes along with the, the Bang Tango movie. So we finished the movie, then I screened it in Chicago, the one and only screening. And um, <clears throat> I, I did it to where the band was on tour, and they were going to be in Chicago for the screening, like on tours, so that they could be there and watch it. And um, Joe Lestay, the singer, he, he is the only one in the band who has not seen it. Everybody else has seen it already. So we're at this uh, a bar I worked at at the time and lived at at the time, too, believe it or not. And um, they have a, a – yeah, that's another story. I know, a, you snuck that one in there. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, there's a projector in the back of the bar, and so there's a ton of people back there watching it. And I'm sitting kind of close to Joe. And like earlier, like a lot of the movies is brutally honest, like about Joe the singer and like how he is as a human being and all that. And Joe's on screen talking shit about one of the other members of the band. And as Joe's watching it, he stands up, points at the screen, and goes, hey, I didn't say that, as he's saying it on screen. It was, it was hysterical. And, uh, <clears throat> and then toward the end of it, Joe, the, the singer of Bang Tango, it starts to get heated in the movie. Then he stands up, <clears throat> looks at me, goes, what are you, some kind of fucking asshole or something? And, start, <laughs> and, I just, and this takes off. <clears throat> then I start chasing after him like he's like my fucking girlfriend or something. And then, uh, <laughs> then I, I, I catch him by the exit. And I was like, dude, you got to finish it, man. It'll make sense. And he turns around and he's like, oh, gotcha. I was like, man, you're such a dick. And then, uh, and then he came back and finished it. Then afterwards, he was like, you know, man, the truth always hurts. And I really, really, really needed to see that. And uh, <clears throat> so that was nice to hear that from him. He got to kind of see his life from like a different uh, point of view. But then shortly thereafter, you know, uh, he started he, – you know, publicly hates the movie, but whatever. But anyway, so <laughs> so um, we do that. Then the day after the screening, there was their Chicago show, and they asked me to play the whole set with them. And it's like, hey, thanks for doing this movie and all that. I'm like, all right, cool. So I knew the tunes already, so I got up and played with them. It was a lot of fun. And I was like, all right, that's the end of this chapter. Thank you guys so much. That was awesome. Then two days later, I got a call from Joe, uh, the, the singer, and he goes, hey, man, how would you feel about playing in front of 20,000 people tomorrow at the M3 Festival? And I was like, I'm renting a car right now. I'm on my way. <laughs> and then, uh, then so I drove 10 hours from Chicago to Baltimore, Maryland, uh, to uh, play the M3 Festival with Bang Ting. And sure enough, 20,000 people. It was fucking nuts. Uh, who else played? It was like Queensryche and shit. And then, uh, and then from there, I did, they just kept on having me show up. And, and uh, yeah, we uh, played all kinds of places, all kinds of festivals. And then... Yeah. Drew, you're you're a cool dude, man. I, you know, if I got that call and they're like, "Hey, how about tomorrow you do the thing you've been saying you wanted to do forever?" I feel like I would have a uh, pit grow in my stomach, and anxiety would just come over me. And I was there too, myself, dude. I've taught myself now to just be like, "You have to say yeah, otherwise, yeah. what the fuck are you doing?" Yeah. But like, you yeah, know, man. in my head, it's screaming like, "Don't do this." No, you, yeah, I, I feel like you didn't have that. You're just like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, I've been ready for this my whole life. I just <laughs> yeah, it was it was a, definitely a whirlwind for sure because it was like a, it was like a Friday. I was at work, and then um, and then I just I was like, hey guys, I gotta I gotta go ahead to uh, fucking <laughs> uh, Maryland. <laughs> and they're like, all right, <laughs> and so yeah, I just rented a car and and whoop and uh, oh man, it was a one hell of a drive, and uh, and yeah, and then. Um, 
it, yeah, it was, it was definitely a lot of anxiety too. I didn't know what to expect, but it was, it was fun. I got the, I got the whole show like pro shot somewhere too. And that's not out there. And so it's kind of cool to revisit that every once in a while. I'll be like, Oh, look at my stupid haircut. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but then a year after that is when we played uh, we, we played the main stage of Rocklahoma and, uh, because it was Rocklahoma's 10th anniversary. And when Rocklahoma started, it was all hair bands. And so for the 10th anniversary, we wanted to bring back some of the bands who played the first one, Bang Tingle was one of them. So we opened up the main stage and it was us, 6AM, Nikki Six's band, um, Megadeth, Disturbed, and Rob Zombie. <laughs> and uh, so we, we had like no business being there. Hold on. But, yeah. Disturbed and Rob Zombie were the top bill? Yeah. It's like, let's bring back all the glam and hair rock. And then those two... Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, it, it was it was crazy, and it was funny too because so we're we're backstage. We have to, our trailers like next to Disturbs trailer, and they're they're from Chicago, so we're all new with the same guys, like uh, Chips Enough and all that, and and um, and then uh, <clears throat> Rob Zombie came and walked up to uh, Joe, the singer of Bang Tango. He's like, man, I used to just specifically fly out to see Bang Tango in Vegas all the time. I was like, shut the fuck up, no way. And um, and then it turns out Sherry. Zombie used to date Bang Tangle's original drummer back in the day. And what then, the hell? And, and then one night she never came back home. That was the night she met Rob Zombie. Oh, shit. And then yada, yada, yada. And he promised to put her in every movie he ever was going to make. <laughs> exactly. I'll make you a star, Which, sweetheart. by coincidence, now Drew's shooting all of. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I am Rob Zombie now. And, uh, but, uh, and then that's, that, that's where I met David Ellison was uh, at that Rocklahoma. We, we kind of crossed paths backstage and we had some mutual friends and all that. And, and it, it turns out he's like the older version of me, like personality wise. It's like, we're like, hey, if, if we touch each other, it might turn out like time cop because I think, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we'll just explode in the lava or something like that because we're like the same people. But uh, so we hit it off great. And that, that's how that whole uh, thing started with, uh, with me and Dave was from that, that Rocklahoma. We kind of kept in touch and then, just kind of, you know, it came, uh, it came buddies and, uh, you know, just, and then eventually we started doing stuff together. And, uh, and then, uh, yeah, and eventually I, I left Bang Tango. Then I started playing guitar for Chuck Mosley from Faith No More, which is San Francisco. So, yeah. you know, that's, I know he's more of an LA guy, but I know Faith No More is from uh, San Francisco and played with Chuck up until he passed away. And I love Chuck very much. That was a great time. And, um, I got, I got lots. I could go off on tangents. I got lots of well, dude. You're, too. you're close to a couple of uh, heavy hitters and like, or at least big fans of horror. Because I mean, you were what were there with Rob Zombie, but Mike Patton. I remember when we came out and watched Goblin play for the first time Ooh. they ever did an American tour. Mike Patton was there. I think Ooh. he rented out a balcony at the. the I Warfare. believe it too, because I could picture Mike Patton being so into Goblin. Yeah, because that's like right up his alley. That the Italian. Uh, film score stuff you know that that's like yep. his that's his jam you know that's well, what's big not thing. his jam again yeah, you know, right yeah it, like it's everything it's like it's an album somebody tapping on a counter he's like i fucking love that yeah. <laughs> dude see drew now here's why i think you're cool you're like you're in there hobnobbing with all these old timers right <laughs> and it's like they're fucking like legends i just imagine you not giving a shit and just being so casual and like chill like how, how? Like how, what did you and David start talking about originally? It was uh, I came up. It was like he he was managing a band called Dollskin, and I was I was uh, talking to one of his managers about helping getting uh, Matt Wallace, Faith and More's producer, to uh, mix one of their tunes. And I was like, oh, hey, Dave, I, I was uh, you know your band Dollskin. I'm the guy that's trying to help you guys uh, get Matt Wallace. He's like, oh, dude, that's awesome. So 
so that, I think that's how that conversation started. Then from there, obviously, we just started talking about the weather or something. <laughs> You're like, hey, Dave, have you ever seen the Blair Witch? Would you <laughs> right, yeah. like that? <laughs> yeah, that'd yeah, yeah. <laughs> be a random first question. It's like, hey, negative guy, <laughs> come here for a second. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> so how the hell did this all pivot into making a horror movie with them? You know, that, that so... I, I did some work for Dave's label for a little bit too, helping him out with stuff for like a couple of years. And then, um, <clears throat> and then I started acting. I was in uh, randomly out of the blue. And, uh, and that was, I uh, believe it now. <laughs> you can tell me anything. You guys started flying planes. I'm like, yeah, of course you did. Oh yeah. Oh, that's funny. Actually, I did fly a plane once. And, uh, but, uh, and, uh, <laughs> uh, so what was it? Um, oh yeah. So, um, yeah. So 2017, Okay, so I was always a big fan of this guy named James L. Edwards. Uh, he did a lot of uh, movies for Tempe and stuff like that, uh, shot on video stuff. There's one movie called Bloodletting that's fucking amazing. I recommend it. I've always been a fan of this guy, James L. Edwards, uh, actor and uh, writer. And so I, I found him on Facebook. I was like, I wonder what this fucking guy's up to. And then, uh, so then I looked, and then uh, it said it was having auditions for this new movie called Her Name is Krista. And I was like, hmm. All right, I started talking to him. Turns out he was a, like a Bang Tango fan from back in the day. I was like, no shit. And I showed him the movie. It was before the movie. I, I released the movie. And then uh, he, uh, uh, he, he really liked it. And uh, then I was like, hey, maybe I'll audition for one of these thingies. And he's like, yeah, sure. Which character? I was like, yeah, how about that one? And so I sent him a couple, <laughs> of, <laughs> I sent him a couple of auditions. And uh, he was like, uh, and then this is crazy too. So I sent him a, and then it's when I was playing with Chuck Mosley. And so, and James is in Ohio. He lives in Ohio. And so I, uh, I, I was, had to go to Chuck's house for rehearsals. And so I go to Chuck's house. I'm there. And then I told James to meet me up there, too, because he's in Ohio. And it'd be cool to meet him in person during the audition process and whatnot. And Doug Esper, who uh, was Chuck Mosley's uh, manager and percussionist slash babysitter, Doug's in Dwellers as well. And so the three primaries of Dwellers met for the first time at Chuck Mosley's house. Uh, so it was during a Chuck rehearsal. So it was me, Chuck and Doug, Doug's on Conga and all that. And Jane shows up and let me know I got the part in the movie. And so that's where Dwellers was kind of born as far as me, James and Doug was, uh, was at Chuck Mosley's house. And, uh, and, and so that, that was thinking about that now. That, that was actually pretty cool. And uh, it, 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 all thanks to Chuck. <laughs> and, um, Dude, and uh, it, now I, so just to be completely honest with you, I was wondering how asking you about the pivot would go, because clearly you seem like a metal dude through and through. And normally people turn to horror because it's an easy way to make money doing film. And huh. there's, there's such a low entry bar. Like uh, if you ever look on Amazon, Pro, like clearly you get it because you just mentioned the movie Bloodletting, which I've never heard of. Which, dude, late '90s, like shot on video. That's the, that's it right there, yeah. dude. It's but I mean, I I was just looking through it on IMDb, dude. This looks rad. It's like, fucking I've, awesome, dude. The story is great. James is awesome in it, and it's just it's pretty much about this girl who uh, tracks down the finds the identity of the serial killer and uh, blackmails him into teaching her how to be a serial killer. It, it's it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so cool. Now, so are you a big like shot on video fan? I whatever came on my radar uh, when I was younger. Like I don't seek it out as much, but if if I if if it comes across me, it's like hey, check this out. I'll check it out. But I don't really nowadays. I don't really dive into it as much. There's so much now, you know. But if yeah. there's something from the '90s, 100, percent I'll check it out. Oh, then, that you, was, 
you got to get um, uh, Bleeding Skull, their new book. They're on volume two. It's all about 90 shot on video. Nice. So, and they got like a lot of deep cuts in there. Like one of the like I'm reading the book, like basically it's a coffee table book or like a mm-hmm. reference. Material. Does it turn into a coffee table? Yeah, yeah, right. That was a great what Seinfeld? Seinfeld yeah. yeah. Okay, are you a Seinfeld guy over friends or absolutely. I love Seinfeld. Can I tell you so so I'm a big uh college football fan and I support uh where I went to school and um you know football coaches are always stuck with just watching tape, right? And someone actually asked the coach in um a call in show what his favorite T V show is. Yeah. And just to give you a little background on this guy, very strong country voice, just a, <laughs> just a classic Mississippi football guy. Like you would think that's all he knows. He's like, well, actually me and my wife, I like to end my day on something happy every day. So uh, we watched every episode of friends at least a oh. hundred times. <laughs> so friends is his favorite Boo. show. And now, he went down a notch in my book. Go ahead. Her family. My, my mom used to hate when we watched friends because they have so much like sex jokes. <laughs> but then she got addicted to it. Now she has like a board game. She's addicted to sex. I, <laughs> I would have felt uncomfortable going for that, but I addicted wanted to, to sex with friends. <laughs> I mean, enemies would be a little awkward, but yeah, dude, <laughs> I'd watch a, that show. You got to get a uh, bleeding skull. Like, bleeding skull. That I, check that out. I think I heard of it. James might be in that. Um, Cause he was in all those, all those things. Like he oh, was, dude, if they, I don't remember bloodletting being in there, but they, I don't know why it wouldn't make the criteria. He was in right Dead Next Door in the 80s. Okay, I think he that helped is, out yeah. with that. Uh, Skinned Alive, Polymorph. So, well, uh, where did, uh, what were you saying? I was just saying Skinned Alive is in uh, the photo. It is in the book. Okay. Oh, cool. Um, so, what's your horror background like? Have you been a Ooh. fan forever or? Yeah, yeah forever. Did you pick for that sure. up too? <laughs> uh, what's that? Oh, yeah, 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 right. that up too for a project? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i've always been a huge horror nerd I, like pretty much anything released up until maybe about 10 years ago for sure and i've just been so out of touch the last like decade but uh but all the 70s and 80s and 90s stuff that's 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 my shit though i love that you know just everything from uh obviously you know chud to you know uh you name it there's, there's so many in my brain right now so uh, did you watch us I did watch it. I did. I, I personally, I, I, I didn't. I was like, what are we doing here? It does this me personally. Yeah. It's interesting. A lot of the people who are like old school 80 fans who like love Chud, mm-hmm. I, it doesn't play well with them. No. Like almost every fan I have or every everybody I have who's like one of the old school horror guys that doesn't watch any James Wan film but loves like digging through, I don't know, estate sales. Yeah. Like yeah. VHS copy of Carnosaur and shit. Yeah. You didn't like Tim Heidecker in that movie? Which one was that? In he, Us. Yeah, Us. He's the uh, white friend. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. yeah. I remember he was... Uh, I, I remember him being like the comedic relief guy, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Well, how do you not know Tim Heidecker? I thought you are a comedy dude. He's Tim oh, and Eric. Oh, is that who that is? Yeah. I, yeah. I'm telling you, anything last 10 years, man, I'm out of touch the last That's 10 fair. years. Well, I mean, and, uh, you've been learning every craft, working on every project. <laughs> see, see like? I just, I had no idea that was Tim from Tim and Eric. Oh, that's it. Oh, wow. But, okay. uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but the way it was like, uh, you know, the, that movie was kind of promoted as like, if you, you know, heavily rooted in Chud. Because I guess Jordan Peele, when he was a kid, his girlfriend was the daughter of the guy that directed Chud, Chud uh, D- Douglas Cheek. 
And so he oh. was on the Jed set and all that. And so that's a big part of his, uh, 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 like, youth. It was shot because he was, that was, he dated the, the director's daughter while the movie was being shot. And um, don't ask how I know that. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but You're yeah, like that's two degrees away from Jordan Peele now, too. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so I, I read that, and it was like some article about it or something. But with that in my head, I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to watch us because it's like, you know, like a Chud thing. And then, you know what? Us might have been the reason why I fucking made Dwellers. They're like, this is how you do it. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Take that and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and thinking about it now, that could have been it because I watched it. I was really disappointed. I was like, that was nothing like Chud. The people came from underground. <laughs> but, the, you know, I saw the okay, Chud now- VHS at the beginning, and I was like, that's it. Yeah, he kind of wore all his influences in that first shot. Um, yeah, totally. But now, how how does David Ellison get involved in a found footage uh, answer to us? <laughs> well, uh, truthfully, you know, Dave, he's into coffee. He's, he's he has so much. He had the label and all that, and um, he's just broadening his kind of enterprises, if you will. Yeah. And then, so I guess, yeah, I guess I must have watched us, and I was like, "Fuck this! I'm gonna do something for zero money and and make it more shuddish. And, um, but then I, I was talking to him, he was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this, like, found footage movie for, like, no dollars, there's no risk or commitment. What do you think we do, like, Ellison Films or something like that? It could be, like, Acme, like a made-up company, you know? And yeah. he's like, dude, he's like, dude, that's fucking great, let's do it. And I was like, then you could play yourself in it, and then you could be the producer in the movie as well, you know? And so he was all for it. So it's kind of like um, Ellison Films it kind of, I guess, in a way, exists in the real world a little bit, but, but it's... Mostly, it was made up for the movie, and uh, and it was kind of funny how people started coming to us to try and put out their movies, and it's like, oh, we, you know, you know, we don't really do that. We kind of like made up like Acme because there's no money behind it whatsoever. Yeah. And um, and w- with Dwellers, that that was an idea I had. I was talking to the guy who wrote Chud years ago, or like, or close close to a decade ago, and I was talking to him. I was like, hey, I'm nobody's ever like remade Chud or not like that. What's going on? And um, and he was like, I don't know. I was like, hey, what is you? I wrote it. Let's just do like a found footage thing for zero dollars. It could be a lot of fun. It'd be straight from the heart, you know. And he was like, "Yeah, you know, write up a treatment." And then, uh, then I found out he, uh, Shep Abbott was his name, and I found out he only owned the musical rights to Chud, which shows you what kind of <laughs> deals they were making for movies back in the '80s. And uh, and then it turns out he was he started writing a musical of Chud with Daniel Stern. And so I guess that's still uh, in the makings or something like that. And so I had this idea for like a modern day found footage like rebooted Chud and it was just kind of sitting there forever and then I was like okay I can't call it Chud cannibalistic humanoid underground fuck it let's call it dwellers and uh <laughs> and uh and then so that's that's how and I yeah that's how that kind of came about I'm an idiot I never made that connection good but hopefully nobody else does so I don't get sued Yo, good. <laughs> <laughs> well okay so you came to found footage just on the premise of uh no budget yeah, no budget. I didn't have. Yeah, there's. Yeah, no money. Are, I mean, are you are you a fan of the genre at all? Yeah, yeah. I, I like I, I like the real stuff. And that, that's a, and that's another thing too. I started watching these. I saw trailers for these newer found footage movies, and you could tell off the bat the way they were shot and the CGI. It's like this movie had a fucking million dollar budget at least. <laughs> you know, it's like what's wrong with these people? That's that well, found footage. Yeah. So the culture has kind of shifted. I think you know when the Blair Witch first came out. It was all about like tricking the audience into believing it's real. Right. Except when you look through history, even back to like War of the Worlds, that never plays over well. Yeah. And people and when people are authentically tricked, 
they get fucking angry. Totally. And, and it's and so it's, dated too. Cause I, it's like, it's yeah. yeah even like a cannibal Holocaust. Cause they, they brought him to court because they actually thought that they murdered the people on screen and all that, but they had to they, get a, well, they murdered they the animals for real. In the yeah, 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 that, that, yeah. They couldn't bring those things to court. They were, they were, they were perished. But, but Charlie uh, Sheen did see what one of the guinea pig movies, and he thought that was real. Oh, he went oh, to the FBI. Wow. Did um, he? I didn't know about that. Yeah, he thought oh. mermaids were real. <laughs> yeah, mermaid and a man. Yeah. Uh, no, so the the culture shifted, and now I think people understand when you go into a found footage movie, you've got to bring a little bit of your own disbelief there, yeah. and you're kind of entering an alternate reality. And um, I I think that's why our film fest has worked. Is because once once an audience member becomes aware that they're down for this, it really opens up a whole world. So I know you don't watch a lot of movies. I should uh, shoot you over some that we think are are exemplary, and you know, yeah, I'd love to check it out. Good yeah. modern ones. Um, how was the experience shooting the film? It was fun, man. We did it over five non consecutive days in the summer of 2019, and um, that tunnel. We're only down there for like a day, and. Um, and then I went back for like another day just to kind of get like uh, extra stuff. And anytime you don't see James or Doug on screen in the tunnel, it's an overdub. And um, so it was, it, was a, it was a lot of fun to shoot. It was, you know, and uh, it, it really surprised it came together the way it did. And there's no point in doing a script for something like that because I had a script, but it ended up being like 90% different from what, yeah. what it uh, ended up becoming and all that. And I just recently went through like a nightmare scenario too with uh, getting ready for the Blu-ray because um, – when I originally shot it, because the, the tunnel itself is it just a straight tunnel. There's no turns or nothing. It's just a half mile long, one end to the other. And uh, and a lot of those shots was during the day, and you could see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. And I was like, okay, I'll mask over that when I edit it, you know, no problem. And so I did that, and I used the color black to mask over the light at the end of the tunnel frame by frame. And I was like, okay, cool, it looks fine. That sounds That's fun. It. How oh, long man, did that take? Fucking forever. And, uh, <laughs> and then... Uh, and then I get the Blu-ray proof in a, uh, probably about a month ago. And I pop it on. I was like, I'm sure it's fine. I'm going to flip through it. And then it brightens it up a little bit. And so when we got to the tunnel shots, you see a bunch of dancing black blobs in the, in the background where the, the light was. And I about had a fucking stroke. And then so, <laughs> I, uh, so up until about a week ago, I uh, had to get in there frame by frame and uh, mask it, but use copy and paste parts of the existing background over the light so it's seamless. Yeah. So I had to go through all that all over again. But I did find some other issues in there, too, uh, I, I was happy to find and, and resolve. But so in a way, I'm glad that happened. Now, and, when you uh, said dancing blobs in the background, in my head, I, I imagined your sequel where, you know, you're editing the movie and you realize there's actually something back there. So you're like, well, I got to go back and film it now. That's a great idea. I, and then you're like, oh, I masked over it. In my head, I was like, I imagined you alone in your room at night, terrified. Like, holy shit. Holy shit. That's a great idea. Like, I, like say, like I'm going through the footage and all that. Like, yeah. editing dwellers. And then I was like, what is that? And I zoom in more. And you actually see, like, I was like, that, that's not no, supposed dude, to be Drew, there. actually, I think you would dig our buddies' movies. Um, uh, Ricky Umberger. He's made a trilogy. Now, this dude, he's... He's a shot on video like he's a true one day. He picks up a camera and just makes a fucking movie. That's and he made it. it. He made it called the fear footage. Nice. Now he marketed it on his own. It's all people he knows in his real life. And it's just an anthology, all found footage horror that dude, it just it struck a nerve online and people are into it. 
That's awesome. And yeah, you got to look him up. It's the fear footage. Uh, fear he's footage. made three of them. I think you dig his work. Yeah. Because he's got no money. There's no money in that movie. And uh, he, he shot and edited it all on his iPad. Wow. Yeah. And like, I remember we went out and showed it at a film fest. And when the, the film hits the screen, people are always taken aback at how like amateur it looks like. It's all diegetic lighting and stuff. And yeah. we had these two fucking winos in the front row who just instantly were heckling. The thing is, one was wearing a top hat. Yeah, one was way. wearing a top hat. <laughs> of course he is. Now, here's the thing. The movie's got scares in it, and they weren't fucking ready for it. So when that oh. movie starts hitting, they're like in the middle of doing their like one-liner setup, and uh, they were jumping. And nice. it's, you can't fucking deny that this movie works. It, the movie won. Yeah, and dude, you got to check it out. Fear footage. I, I, I just looked it up right now. The it's called the fear footage. Yep. Okay, got it. And there's three of them. And what what came to me was just the premise. Like one of the fun things about found footage is because you're playing in like an alternate reality, you could make a movie. You could make uh, a screen life movie where it's just you filming stuff on Snapchat and it's just Drew. And the whole premise is, hey, I'm the guy that made uh, Dwellers, but weird shit's happening to me. Something followed me out of the tunnel. And I'm telling you, man, the found footage community, they're there for the ideas. That's awesome. That's good to know. I might do something like that. Yeah, this yeah, is me I, trying to tie you down into the genre. Yeah, man, because after this movie, I was like, I ain't doing that again. But now I'm like, I no, maybe you. I will. <laughs> Dude, you, you make a documentary with 400 plus hours of Actually, how many? How much footage did you have for Dwellers? Dwellers, I think maybe uh, maybe 200. 200. Actually, way less. Uh, probably like 10 or 12. Um I don't know if that's good, but it's definitely not bad compared to 400. Well, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah like I made sure on. to shoot as little as humanly possible. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, it's, I, I know it's, it wasn't that much. Cause I remember I had most of it, like just kind of like in like an assembly thing. And it was only like, that was like three or four hours. And, and, uh, and so just thinking about everybody else is probably like 10 or 12. I'm thinking like all together. Cause it was only like, I guess there was only like five days, uh, shooting and, um, there was a whole completely different third act that got shot too, uh, that uh, I, I trashed. And um, the, the guy doing the interrogation, the one who isn't Doug Omar, he uh, he played a different character in the original third act. Like we uh, uh, stumbled upon like a like a ton of uh, bodies down there, and then uh, <laughs> and, a, and a guy in a hazmat suit shows up and kind of takes us hostage. And then uh, and that's that's that was the original third act, and then that's kind of how he. He kills all of us and makes off with the camera. And uh, so that was the original ending of uh, uh, Dwellers. But then that was before we had the interrogation stuff. And then so I trashed that third act. And then I was like, well, well you know, it would be cool to find something to kind of break up the footage a little bit. So I, I, I got a hold of, uh, and I felt, felt kind of bad because Omar was now out of the movie and he was, yeah, he's awesome. And, uh, and so I, um, Got a hold of him and got a hold of Doug, and I was like, "Hey, what do you think about doing like an interrogation thing? It's like probably like a day shoot or something like that." And so James Edwards actually directed that part for me. All the oh, rad! And, stuff. and so I didn't have to go out there. It was in Ohio. I didn't have to drive out there, and he did it for me because I'm a lazy fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Don't buy that for a fucking minute. Now, hold on. Now, with the alternate ending, what was the uh, motivation behind junking that original one? You know, because we we shot it so quick in a day, we were all. I mean, we were supposed to be tired during, during that, uh, during those scenes uh, for that original third act, but we were too tired. 
like we were just like oh motherfucker, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like this isn't gonna translate well you know it's like I always kind of base it upon like how it affects me I was like oh this is cool but then I see it and I was like oh man we look too much like shit we're too tired <laughs> and it was cool though because we um he stumbled across the, the guy that mugs us again, and he's all dead and ripped up, and we get our shit back, like our wallets and all that. And then, uh, see what else happens. And, uh, and now yeah, I bring I bring it up because, you know, again earlier I mentioned I, I like looking at like film theory and thinking about what the story is telling, and it's interesting when you make a decision like that because I knew you weren't thinking about it, but you kind of navigated out of uh, the government was behind the whole thing. Totally. It's totally. Like, hazmat suit. There's a bunch of bodies down here. The bums are disappearing because the government's just fucking killing them. Yeah. It, it was too shut, too much shut. I mean, uh, it's like, and, and, but yeah, exactly. And then it kind of, like you were saying, kind of comes off a little bit, almost kind of, preachy that, that well, way. I don't know. I, because you know, the intent wasn't there. It was just kind of like, oh, you know, it'd be cool to have a hazmat suit and a bunch of bodies, which I'm yeah. down for. Right, right, right. At the end of the day, the message is just, you know, the government is making these people. They're fixing the problem in a way uh, that, you know, we'll never see the light of day. Exactly. They're, and that was, that was shipped, yeah. And, and it's was, like you made you made the FBI kind of the heroes. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah I never even thought about it like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew you totally. did. That's why I'm like, it's part of the filmmaking. uh aspect where it's you know you're on set and you're just trying to get it done and make it good it i love it when it leaves holes like that because that's part of my favorite thing of doing this show is just talking to people like oh look now you're preachy and pro-government which is not <laughs> thrash metal or metal at all dude <laughs> right no yeah totally man, totally <laughs> holy shit i got all that it's like i feel like uh it's like you're my new therapist <laughs> I was like, what, what, why did i make these decisions well you're anti-thrash and pro-government now i was like I yeah am? right you yeah, sold but, out, dude. Yeah, I, I was a total sellout. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Man, that's that's awesome, though. I never even thought about it that way. That's crazy. We, and I, I, I trimmed up a lot of stuff, too. Like uh, like some stuff ties into that detective we talked to that kind of covers everything up. And then there's a whole like uh, protocol in relation to him to wipe out the homeless. Like it got it got almost like too much. Um, uh, like there's too much of a concept. Yeah, and uh, and and it, and it was just kind of like a, almost kind of hard to follow. Like it was cool that it was there, but it was just like you know, it's just way too much to take in, like for a found footage movie, you know. For sure. Mm -hmm. Now, what what do you got on the horizon? Oh man, jeez. Uh, I know. I, I, I was worried to ask the damn question. Yeah. <laughs> well, right, uh, we'll start with books, then we'll move into band yeah. projects. No, yeah. Uh, as far as books, I might do a, a, a another. Uh, might do another memoir now because all the all the crazy shit started happening after I wrote the first one, and just kind of this detail like because the first one was all about making the the Bang Tinga movie and, and this one could be just the whole uh, dwellers uh, process which was. Drew, how more, old are you? Uh, I'm actually a year younger than Clark. And you have two memoirs, Clark. You're fucking up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I just I feel like you've lived so much more than everybody in the room I'm in combined. Oh man. Oh. Yeah, but I've seen every type of porn possible. <laughs> so. hey, how many of those have you filmed, Drew? Uh, S. Clark. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so are are you going to do another horror movie? Maybe. I mean, I um, I'm what waiting. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to see how uh how, how Dwellers does. I mean, it, how, how is it doing? It, it's 
not too good. <laughs> well, I but, mean, you're in a niche genre, and yeah. we've been doing, you know, the found footage film fest for like four years, if you count last year, which was only online. And we're only starting to get like good penetration in the community. It's so fractured out there. Yeah. So I know the penetration. I keep going there. Yes. We're all no, talking about keep going, porn. keep going there over and over and over and over. <laughs> so, man, I got to convince you to keep doing it. I mean, I, I appreciate what, is, that. what does David think about it? Does he uh, want to do another film? Well, you have to be honest with you. We um, right after the start of winning a bunch of awards and all that. He was like, dude, we've got to do another one. I was like, do we? And then I came up with this idea that he loves. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it right now. It's called The Wanted and the Unwanted. And uh, it's a found footage. And uh, we, right. we, we were going to go down to Costa Rica and shoot it. So it'd be about, so th- you know, David has that coffee company. So it'd be me and him playing ourselves. And uh, it started off and I'd get off and talk to David. And be like, dude, I got this private investor who wants to uh, get your coffee into, into, who wants to franchise your coffee, get it into Walmart and shit and like end caps and stuff. But we, we have to go down to Costa Rica where the, where the, where the beans are made and uh, harvested and just make a little documentary about that. And, uh, and he's like, uh, who's the private investor? He's like, I don't know, but he gave his check cleared, you know? So then we end up down in uh, Costa, Week, or Costa Rica and it turns into like planes, trains, and automobiles. And then like our luggage and passports get stolen by monkeys and shit. And, uh, and then him and I just start fucking just hating each other. So it's, 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 <laughs> it starts off like a, like a buddy comedy kind of thing. Oh, that's and then, then, then we chase the monkeys into the, into the jungle. And then, then we're lost in the jungle. And so he's really fucking hating me. And then, um, and then David gets kidnapped. And then, uh, then I'm like, oh, great. His wife is going to fucking kill me. And by then monkeys? so, it'll be, oh, no, by, uh, by like a cartel. By like a oh, cartel. Okay. I thought and we were then, doing uh, Indiana Jones. <laughs> no, no, right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like that too. And then, so I have to go try and find him. And then uh, I, I find out that it's actually all. Uh, it, this is like where the movie starts to become a movie. Then I find out that there's this underground uh, ring that harvests celebrity organs and auctions. Holy them shit! Off. Okay, hold on. Everything's now, underground with you, Ed. I, I totally, love yeah. that. I'm telling you right now, I love that idea. But oh yeah, have and, you? And that's it? who the private investor was. That that's why they wanted to get us down there. Yeah, oh, I'm trying yeah. to stop you. Don't give everything away yet. We want Not to tease good. that thing because I want you to make it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> All right. And uh, now I guess because we've talked to you for enough time, I'll uh, admit that I'm also Clark's agent. So Ooh. I'm also trying to book him in a movie. Oh, you know, Clark, I already told you. Next thing we do, you're in. Let's do it. Oh, are you going to play a cartel, dude? I could be a hell of a cartel. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I, you know, uh, if we're talking about, you know, coffee, I feel like I could wear like a white linen suit, you know. Absolutely. And then they're, you know, running the running the coffee plantation. Be like, well, like John Hammond, but like a coffee plantation. Yeah. Get one of those, oh, get one of those big like uh, Sam Neill Jurassic Park hats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Dude, Drew, this would actually be very therapeutic for him because yeah. he had a math teacher that showed him a ISIS video. Ooh. In math class, and uh, it's really messed him up. So well, at that time, it was Al Qaeda. Oh, it was Al Qaeda. Yeah, I'm so- sorry. Oh. Apples oh, and oranges. <laughs> <laughs> I like how ISIS didn't get much of a reaction out of Drew, but Al Qaeda. Well, the OGs. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I think this could be really good for you, Clark. No, yeah, absolutely. Man. Through my pain. All right, we, can reenact, we can reenact. We can reenact the Al Qaeda video. <laughs> there, yeah, that's it. All right, Oksana's faxing you a. Uh, contract right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a uh, loosely paper it's all crunched up dude drew you're the you're the fucking coolest dude you gotta yeah. you gotta 
keep the hooks in David and get him making horror movies. Oh yeah, he's up for whatever, man, for sure. He's up for he's up. He, he was actually trying to get me down there in November, and I was like, I need because like November is when that that album comes out, Dwellers is out. It's like November, I sleep in November. I need I need some sleep, <laughs> and then and then. And then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the other one for sure. It'd be easy to shoot maybe like a long weekend in Costa Rica. And, and, the, and the third act takes place in like rough. a warehouse. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And then, uh, then the third act would take place in like a warehouse. So like we could do that like anywhere, probably like Ohio or something like that. And so uh, I got the movie kind of already plotted out. And, uh, and I think it could, be, it could be pretty cool. It could be a lot of fun. Now, now how is David doing? There was that whole like weak ass yeah. scandal that popped up out of nowhere, which I mean, I never understood it because it didn't seem like he had done anything. Yeah. And like the, the I God, I got in like uh, the Reddit community for Megadeth. Oh, yeah. And there were all these memes. Now, mm-hmm. there was one meme that uh, it was like, oh, God, I don't want to fuck it up. I've said it on here before, but it was perfect. And it was like. Uh, Dave Mustaine wanted to be like Megadeth so bad that he threw his own basis under the bus. That was fucking amazing. That was like, holy shit. Dude. Yeah, and, it, and, and yeah, man, the whole thing was kind of a, it all started from those fucking Instagram uh, trolls. And oh uh, somehow God. they got a hold of uh, uh, that footage. And, um, and, and yeah, she was 100% of age and all that. It was just the way that they tried to portray the situation which was completely false with the way they were doing it because recently i dove into that community on instagram because they were just ripping apart that lucid band and all that and then and then i so what community it's just this weird they're all 15 and 16 year old little pieces of shit and uh (laughs) and i (laughs) like that drop right (laughs) (laughs) and um and they and to them it's the funniest shit in the world and like, you know, it's like, oh, this guy's a this and that guy's a that. But they, they don't realize how fucked up it is when the press starts getting a hold of that stuff and being like, this is what it is when it's all just made up shit from a bunch of 15, 16 year old pieces of shit. And so I Wait, okay, the- so they're 15 and 16. Are they like little like 15 year old hard body hotties who are like, I'm going to say take nudes and send them to like every band 15 year old hard body <laughs> hotties you just took it somewhere that i don't know oh, okay. <laughs> oh they're like uh they're like these like geeky little kids and um and See, i spend- don't even think they're real because i know like the scam rap community has been going like oh. huge and one of the easiest scams to do in america is to make a fake account of a hot girl you buy some followers and then you just let dudes dm you yeah and they get money out of them that you know what that's and the thing with these, it's they're all obsessed with anime. I know that because it's all anime, <laughs> and uh, and um, and what happened was, from what I understand, which is actually the fact, because there's a whole like uh, investigation and everything. They got all the the accounts and they it's they're traced all around the world. But so the girl that the 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 video with, and she was like she's in her like early twenties now, but she was like nineteen when the whole thing. It was all okay. adult stuff, you know, like that's. Yeah, that, that's so. Wait, hold on. What actually happened? Because I had a hard time even finding that. Um, so, the girl who did the video with them recorded the video, showed it to a friend who showed. So it what to are we a talking? Friend. Like chatterbait or something? Or it was like a it was like a like a private uh, like Skype or something. Not not like this. It was like, oh, it was okay. like something like this, and um, and then she recorded it without him knowing, and uh, and so. 
she showed it, she sent it to a friend or sent it to a friend and it ended up on one of those fucking communities or those 15, 16 year old pieces of shit. And, oh. and then they were like, oh my God, we've got gold here. Then they started making memes. They put the videos out and all that. And then they started saying that uh, she was younger than when she was, which is untrue. And, uh, and so it all blew up from there. And so that initial headline was like, you know, with the grooming or whatever, which is completely false. Yeah. And, um, and it, but it all stems from those Instagram kids. <laughs> who got a hold of the yeah? Who got a hold of the uh, the, the the footage? Those and um, year old pieces of shit. Those little pieces <laughs> of shit. And you know, and then I scared the fuck out of them a couple weeks ago. So they they kept on spamming the Lucid, that new band with me and Dave. They kept on spamming it and spamming it and death threats and all that. And then I uh, they started opening up these chats with 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 the band and all that. And so I finally I responded to them. I was like, Hey, what's going on, guys? And they're like, Oh shit. <laughs> oh man. And then you know what? I started talking to them like I was anybody else. I was like, how's everybody doing? And then they were like, oh my God, we're so sorry. We actually love the music. We actually, you know, think you guys are awesome. And I was like, you little motherfuckers. And um, and then so uh I kind of it's like what it came down to it, they're all just like looking for fucked up attention that they're not getting from their own parents or something yeah. like that, you know. Yep. And um and then, so it was about two thirds of that whole fucked up community. It was all good with. I told them I was like, "Hey, you know, Dave didn't do anything wrong whatsoever. It's all it's a Rolling Stone article that pulled the police report because Dave did a whole uh, criminal investigation with a team of lawyers and all that, and, and, and the authorities are working with him. And uh, and I explained that to them, showed them the articles. They're like, "Oh wow, we feel stupid now." I was like, "Yeah, don't you? You little fifteen year old pieces of shit." And then, um, and then yeah, it was just the whole thing was just so fucked up, but. Uh, but and really, he didn't do anything wrong whatsoever. And and well, so didn't the girl even jump on Twitter and she was like, "Hey, uh, this is all like chill." Oh, she like, did. She, yeah, immediately. Yeah, she, she she did that immediately. She was like, "It was." She actually pursued him. It was all consensual. She was yeah. You know, she's nineteen and all that. And she provided the right driver's license to the authorities just to double that fact, you know. And yeah, so that's all one hundred percent good, you know. And uh, and so yeah, and then. With that said, it was just kind of like, all right, let's just move along as as per usual, and uh, and everybody's just starting to see that too that he didn't do anything wrong. So I mean, it's just that initial headline that that painted it to be like something that the, the, this gave power to the allegations when they were only just the allegations, and they were horrible allegations because of these yeah. fucking Instagram kids. And you know, it's it's like. It, you should have to take a fucking mental assessment to be on social media or, uh, <laughs> you know, or, or be like 18 and over or something, because it's really, it's like given the power of visual media to, to these kids who don't know how to even aren't even fully formed yet. And they're making these fucked up, fucked up memes. And, uh, and they don't understand it's funny to them, but they don't understand like, you know, and then I, I completely got off of Instagram because Though like two thirds of that whole fucked up community, uh, I'm all good with that other one, one third, third. Yeah, they 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 were sending me all kinds of fucked up death threats and like getting into detail of exactly how to kill myself and stuff. And I was like, I don't really got time for this. And then so um, so I just well, got send off. Send them our way. We could use the engagement. <laughs> oh yeah, they're very engaging. That's for fucking sure. It, it'll uh, it'll bump our numbers up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean. You just start seeing a bunch of profile pictures of the anime characters, you know, where you're heading. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, Naruto, you got to get turned around and run. Now that, now yeah, they're all just that guy for sure. Yeah, run like Naruto, too. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, man, yeah, so it's, 
that was definitely a situation, definitely exacerbated by those fucking kids. And well, how, um, how's David feeling? Like, did the oh, whole he's thing? Great. Like, he's he's yeah, doing he's right. doing great now, man. I mean, he's uh, he's excited about the Lucid. He's excited about the movie, and uh, he got a lot of other cool shit going on. And and the Megadeth stuff, you know what? Give it or take it. But you know what though? Dave's Allison's doing fucking great, man. He's he's awesome. he's doing fucking terrific, and he he couldn't be happier. And it's and as the way I see it, it's just kind of like a huge weight got lifted off his shoulders, and he's finally able to be himself now. You know. Hey, you know, a, a lot of people they take shit like that, and um, you know, they kind of reclaim power totally over the whole situation by making a movie about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fucking found footage movie about some. Uh, It'd be like a lifetime movie. Stepping over the line with David. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Totally, man. It, it'll. It's definitely probably something there for sure. Whether it's a book or a movie, you know. I think it'll. And that's yeah. That is a total found footage movie too. With like you just see the social media screens. Oh hell yeah. That, you know. And uh, but what yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm saying like what a nightmare situation. Like I, I recently heard people talking about fame, and um they were in like kind of like a C celebrity area. And they're like, you know, the thing is fame doesn't happen to a person. It happens to the fans. And it's that situation where like me and Oksana could run up to somebody. And if we meet Chris Angel together, it would mean nothing to me, but yeah. she would be going crazy. Right. Like here, do you want it? False. <laughs> <laughs> she would just be, she'd be crying, overcome with emotion. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's not, Chris Angel, who's afflicted with fame, it's Oksana. She's the one with the problem. Right, right. Right? We got to dig up that photo Slander. so we can share. <laughs> Don't worry. If Drew gets his way, there'll be somebody harvesting his organs in no time. Exactly. I wonder I what his address. liver would go for on the black market. <laughs> <laughs> if Chris Angel makes shit disappear, I'll make his organs disappear. Maybe I'll Dude, there we go. <laughs> Drew, man, yeah, it's an illusion. You're a blast, dude. Do you read a lot? Uh, not really. Uh, <laughs> it's because we were talking about social media, and I, I just read a book that's from the perspective of somebody writing like on a 4chan type site. Gotcha. And I think the, the book is incredibly dark in content, mm -hmm. but it does a really good job of illustrating how like internet trolls, there are people who need like community. Exactly. And they're, they're not getting it in real life. That's exactly what it is. And when you turn around online, the way you make attention or you get like people to interact with you is to be vile. Like go on Twitter. They want venom on Twitter. And if you yeah. put that anger out there, you'll you'll get attention. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what it is, too, because that's what I want to start talking to these uh, people, you know, and they saw I, I wasn't like an angry, ugly, fucking asshole piece of shit. And they were like, you're actually a nice guy. And uh, mm -hmm. and then and and then they got to see that I'm actually like a human being, you know. And uh, and then they're making they, they were making all these death threats, but then they, they felt terrible about it, you know. But I gave them the time of day to be like, hey, you know, how's it going? How is how are you, you know? And then and uh, so it kind of humanized uh, a, a lot of things uh, a little bit for for most of them too. And they actually turned out to be really really nice people. But just misguided, just a disenfranchised youth, you know, yeah. and uh, and it's really fucked up and unfortunate. But then it got to a point where they're, you know, I'm like, I, I, I made my point, you know, that they, I wanted to show them that, you know, the entity of the lucid is actually made up of real people. And then, um, then I was like, I don't, okay, cool, I, I made my point, I'm out of here. I just got out of Instagram on a on a high note, even though like a third of them wanted to see me dead, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> 
but uh but yeah i mean it's just uh it is fascinating and fucked up at the same time you know because it's yeah really you should be 18 and over to use that shit uh in my opinion for sure because it's just you know it's so fucked up on there and what <laughs> it's, it's really like i just i when i first started diving into that i had trouble sleeping man it really fucks with you dude just like the fact that somebody else wants to see you dead and all that and it's all coming from all these 15 well, 16 year old yeah you're not a real person to them though yeah you're exactly just, yeah, yeah. It, it could you, they could easily be talking to an AI for all right. That. Oh yeah, 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 totally. And I, I, uh, yeah, it's it's man, it was fucking nuts. And uh, yeah, so I, I got out of there quick. And uh, <laughs> so uh, so if you ask me for where to find me, it won't be on Instagram. And if you want to keep up with uh, whatever I'm up to, but uh, where, where, where can we find you? I, I'm just on Facebook now. I'm just on, oh yeah, because uh, that's much better. Yeah, no, actually, you know what? You actually, it's like I haven't seen any anything i mean it's it's bad in a different kind of way yeah for sure that's that's it's like probably just as bad in a different kind of way but at least i don't got to worry about people telling me to okay now you, you need to step up on this kind of a chair tie this kind of a rope to that kind of a ceiling fan and then take a step in that direction you know and uh so i won't be seeing any of that so so that's good but uh yeah that's <laughs> did they really do that they went into detail they're like oh, boy. it was almost it was almost impressive and then I was like, man, I don't need to be reading this shit. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and then somebody was like trying to spam the lucid and my name hashtag saying they're going to come to my house and take a shit in my toilet. <laughs> I mean, at least it's in the toilet. Oh, yeah, right? right. Yeah, exactly. I was like, what is, you know, and if they flush, everything's cool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I think they specifically said they were not going to flush and that it was going to be diarrhea. And then so I was like, I was like, I yeah, can't. Okay. <laughs> right. That's clearly like a 12 year old, right? Yeah, tell you totally, totally. And so I'm gonna take a watery poo-poo in your toilet. It's exactly. gonna be green. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and but yeah, and it's fascinating you brought up that book though, because that's exactly what this is. It's just these kids looking for attention they're not getting in the real life from like probably like the parents or something, and they're just spewing out this vile shit to, to get community. Oh, dude. It's, Drew so, check mm. that it like it's it's a breezy read. I think mm. it's like hundred and fifty pages and thirty nice. of them are an intro. Ooh. Because the content's so dark in that book that they try to like have a intellectual like brace you for it in the beginning. Oh, gotcha. It's called Amygdala Tropolis. I'm gonna have to figure that. I shit know. Out. I just figured out how to pronounce that name, <laughs> like three days after I finished the book. <laughs> but yeah, it's Amygdala Tropolis. If you want to read it, and then uh, I would have loved to hear you practice that. Oh, dude, that's the problem when I'm reading, and and especially like fantasy novels. Yeah, you never have to say it out loud. So you can kind of like yada 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 through the name, and then um, when I was recommending that book, I'm like, yeah, yeah. But check that out, Drew. Definitely, definitely, we'll do, man. We'll do. I, I man, I opened up a lot on this podcast. <laughs> you did. And we they, tricked you. We drugged you before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Drew, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I man, you know, I hopefully this year, as long as everything goes planned. We're going to be back in a real theater doing Uff again. And, Ooh. man, you're more than welcome. You should come out and hang out. Dude, yeah. It was in San Francisco? Yeah. Yep. Come kick it in the Bay Area, bro. Yeah, man. I'll, I'll see if I can get me and Dave up there, man. Just to, just to come bring them out. out. You know? and, if you, and if you if you want to show, like, out of competition, like Dwellers again or something like that, we could do, like, an intro for it or something. Or maybe, who knows? Maybe okay. by that time, right. we'll have that second movie done. But um, Yeah, right? Go yeah. Har harvest some celebrity organs. Yeah, yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> and, you know, short films are good, too. If you want to make something right. short. That's right. Yeah, yeah, maybe, right. man. Maybe. And uh oh shit, that's not a bad idea. 
Yeah, <laughs> Drew, you're trapped. Uh, we're never going to let you go. All right. Okay, now, okay, where can we find all your books and movies? Yeah, uh, when, when does Dwellers drop? Dwellers uh, comes out October 12th. So that's, like, I think, like next week or something. And uh, dwellersfilm.com, you could, you, could, you could order the Blu-ray and all that. It'll be up on, uh, we just, um, I just got it submitted into Film Hub. You guys know anything about that? Film, film hub? hub? I don't think so. It gets it on like uh, Amazon and it's like an aggregator. It gets it oh, on okay. Amazon. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so I'm just waiting to see where, where it ends up from there. And so I'm sure it'll be on Amazon and all that digitally and such. Yeah. And um, so there's that. And then uh, The Lucid, which is that uh, new band with uh, me, Ellison, uh, Vinny, the singer of Sponge, and uh, Mike, the drummer from Fury Factory, and Raven. I know you're the old thrash guy. Yep, He's also yep. in Raven. And that, that comes out October 15th. And we got uh, the two songs out now, Maggot, Maggot Wind and uh, Dan. And then the third one's coming out uh, October 6th. That's called uh, Hair. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's really proud of that. I think you guys get a kick out of that. Uh, they, the cover art's really cool, too. It's this little kid about to hit this pinata, but it's a bomb. <laughs> so now, Love it. So do you make a whole album and then just pay, release a song one at a time? Because I know that's like the new model. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, uh, we don't got a label. I mean, we kind of preferred it that way. Yeah. I mean, because, uh, but yeah, so like ideally, like leading up to it, we we're going to drop like a couple songs just to kind of get a, I mean, we, we knew it was going to get a lot of press anyway because of the whole uh, Dave thing. Yeah. I and, mean, uh, dude, you turned that into a positive. Why not? You, oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like, hey, you know, Dave's still out there. You know, he's, he's happy. He's working. He's, he's proud of this, this album and all that. And, uh, and people seem to be really getting a kick out of it. And, it, and it's more 90s sounding. You know, it's like if, if Sponge sang for Megadeth, pretty much. And, I mean, <laughs> And um, and how about your documentary, Bang Tango? Oh yeah, that's for free on YouTube. You could just look up Attack of Life, the Bang Tango movie, and uh, and the the, the book by uh, kind of my faux memoir, uh, dark, depressing, and hilarious. And Did you just uh, say faux memoir? Yeah, yeah, kind of faux. Faux is in like I you know I don't take it serious, but it's all fact factual events. But uh, but yeah, it's uh-huh, uh huh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's self-deprecating, so he is I his own it. foe. So it's oh. F-O-E. Thank you. Yeah, very right. Much. Yeah, exactly. I, I was just, thinking uh, F-A-U-X. I know sorry. that but too. Yeah, because it's it's weird calling it a memoir because it sounds so pretentious. So like I, I try and downplay it as much as possible. I'm like I'm like okay okay technically it is a memoir, but uh, it's like I'm trying to put the right word in front of it so people don't uh, think Drew, it's like me. You are so chill and humble that nobody will ever walk away from a conversation with you and turn around and go, that guy's a fucking douche. He's the most <laughs> pretentious dude I've ever met. Dude, that has never happened to you in your life, I am sure. Oh, uh, yeah. No, but uh, that's that sounds like a fun challenge, though. <laughs> Drew, I love you, man. You got to make a movie. We got to have you back on it sometime. Whatever you guys want. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Just let yeah, me know, when you, man. When flying Clark out to Costa Rica. To <laughs> yeah, he's with his white off. linen suit. And, uh, exactly. It's a collect we need you in character the whole time. So on the flight, need you in the white linen suit at the whole event. Let's do it. I'm a character guy. Baby. He picked up smoking cigarettes for a bit. He'll be in character. I yeah, love it. That's great. I'm surprised you didn't pick up smoking cigars from uh, doing Vernon. Oh, I know. Right. Well, those were uh, my friend. Those were cigarillos. So. Ooh, oh, nice those were terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they were gross. That's awesome. But, Drew, again, we love you, man. And hey, love uh, you guys too. Keep us, keep us in touch, man. 
No, absolutely. Yeah, you guys, yeah, I'm, I'm always here. So just reach out and say what's up whenever you guys want. I know Alexana has my number, so pass it around to everybody. And uh, yeah, just okay. keep in touch. <laughs> there we go. Uh, we'll put that up in the show notes. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. You, Drew, so. He doesn't have a dot com, but he has this. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, love you, man. All right, All right thanks. Love man. you too, buddy.